This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Um, to the Steelers burning question brought to you by behindthestillcurtain.com. The Pittsburgh Steelers are one and three going into this week's pivotal game, pivotal week five matchup against arch rival from the AFC North, those Baltimore Ravens, and uh, in my mind, one of the best rivalries in not only the National Football game, League, but all of sports. Um, I think this is just a fantastic rivalry. It's getting pretty close to 25 years now, um, if you're officially going to count it, when the uh, Baltimore Ravens came into existence officially after moving from Cleveland in September of 1996 is what it was. I believe at the time Vinny Testaverde was the very first quarterback that the uh, Steelers ever faced um, as of taking on the uh, Baltimore Ravens. So with that being said, I welcome you. This is the burning question. Um, this is a departure for me. Usually I'm here with Tony Defio on the Steeler hangover on Mondays, or I'm here with uh, Jeff Hartman or Dave Schofield of Behind the Steel Curtain. That's our uh, editor and deputy editor as well. Um, and we do the preview on uh, Thursday night. I could be seen uh, from time to time anywhere else and check out all of our other podcasts. We have so many. Uh, Lance Williams, I'm not going to make up a, uh, a catchy name for Lance. Uh, I believe he renamed me Brian B. Davis. I don't know whether that's because of the 50th anniversary of the Brady Bunch or maybe I'm just be talent which uh i'm more like c minus talent but i'm cool with that but uh lance also has a few podcasts as well um you can check it out here so many things to check out on the network of behind the still curtain and uh glad to hear from you so we're going to start off with the burning question of the week and for me it's not no longer it's uh can the steelers go ahead and you know, can they sustain the uh, mojo after the win? You know, I kind of think they could sustain the mojo. It's just, you know, the level of talent that they played, um, being the Cincinnati Bengals, who are an 0-4 team and uh, have a line that is just uh, very penetrable. Um, but the Steelers did look like they did turn a corner on defense as well. Um, you just want to see what is going to happen with Mason Rudolph. Um, if they take the reins off him a little bit, let him uh, test that live arm that he has. Um, that would be the big thing. So the question is, at one and three, and officially one game back in the division, 
what is the official threat level for the Pittsburgh Steelers going into this game? So, like I said just before, if they go ahead and win this game, they are going to be sitting at two and three, and that's that's nothing that that you uh, you jump up and down about. But if they're at two and three, they have a possibility after the Monday night game to be tied for the division lead. And actually, at that point, with the division record, with the uh, they would probably be excuse me, not probably they would be tops in that division at that time if Cleveland would fall to a San Francisco 49er team that is not only 3-0, and but playing at home where they are a lot tougher. So that would be a great Monday Night Football matchup, but that does not matter. The only thing that matters for me and for many of Steeler Nation, and especially Mike Tomlin and the players on that roster, is just this. It's the Baltimore game and Baltimore only. Now, Ray Lewis isn't coming to town. No T-Sizzle. It's no Ed Reed. You're not seeing that, but you're seeing a new incarnation. And just the fact that they're wearing white, black, and purple kind of means that that hatred is still there. That was brought up this week as well by Baltimore players about the uh, the rivalry. But you know what? It's not just a one of hatred. It's one of respect, too. These players respect each other greatly. And uh, I think that's something that uh, you can see when they play. But the rivalry is so deep that the hatred exists no matter who's on the field. So this is the first time in ages. I would actually say this is the first time since 2010 that uh, you will not see Ben Roethlisberger and Joe Flacco on the field as well. So that that's something uh, really interesting. So what is the threat level? So if we look at the, uh, the Homeland Security Advisory, you know, we can start at the bottom. Green is low, of course. Blue is guarded. Yellow is elevated. Orange is high. And red is severe. Now, we're coming off a situation where they did get a win. They're off the schneid finally. And they're, they seem to be playing better with a little bit of innovation. But before they brought out that innovation, one thing that I noticed was they weren't running the ball too well at all um, in a traditional backfield. Um, it was less James Conner and more of uh, the – the offensive line not creating any openings for that team. So that's something that I found uh, really disconcerting. So um, what I'm asking is, where are we as a threat level? My answer to that is probably that I'm not going to go as far as, say, red and severe, but I'm thinking it's orange. It's a very high threat level because if you lose this game to Baltimore, then they are top of the division at this point. They are going to be three and two where they would be at, and Pittsburgh would be at one and four. And not just two games behind, but you're also behind in that tiebreaker as well um, at that certain point. So that's almost three games behind. And at week five, nothing's insurmountable, but that's pretty tough. So uh, you really got to got to get this win. Um, I'm not saying that it is going to end their season, but it's going to severely cripple that season. Now we're seeing, uh, uh, we're seeing different colors um, show up. Uh, some people are saying blue. Um, so they're saying that at this point that it's not as big of a deal, 
But for me, you know, you're looking at a situation here where you really can't afford to slip way behind. If this was a situation that they were two and two going into this this game, um, I would feel a whole heck of a lot better. Now we've seen it in the past. We have seen a Pittsburgh Steeler team at one and three go to the playoffs, and that was 2002. That was a uh, that was a situation when. You didn't have your regular starter, but Tommy Maddox came in in week three and rescued the team from an 0-3 record. And the next week they lost in New Orleans. Then after that, cut fire. Uh, It was a magical season for uh, Tommy Gunn. Um, That 2002 team was a really fun team. Um, They lost after um, winning the uh, wild card game against Cleveland and then lost in a very questionable way in overtime against the uh, Tennessee Titans. And I'm trying to remember his name, and I'm going to say Rob Baronis, maybe? Was it Rob Baronis that was the uh, was the uh, kicker at the time for, uh, for Tennessee? I might be wrong on that. That's something I probably should have checked beforehand, but actually just popped on my head, so that's why I'm bringing it up. But um, he did a little bit of a flop when Dwayne Washington came in trying to uh, uh, block that kick. They had a chance to go ahead and kick again, and next thing you know, they are on their way to the AFC Championship game where they would ultimately lose to the Raiders. But um, it's a very special, special year nonetheless. Uh, We've also seen situations where the Steelers have gone 0-4 and uh, barely missed the playoffs, and that was most recently as of the uh, 2013 season when – they lost in London to the Minnesota Vikings to fall down to 0-4, Le'Veon Bell's rookie year. And, you know, uh, Dave Schofield just helped me out here, and it's Joe Nedney, and that's really correct. That is correct. In fact, um, I believe Baronis, Rob Baronis, might be the uh, the late um, son-in-law of Terry Bradshaw, um, who uh, passed away a few years ago. I believe, I believe that was a car accident. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, that was, uh, I know he was a Tennessee Titan kicker, and I believe Baronis was related to uh, uh, Bradshaw marrying one of his daughters, uh, but I digress. Um, yeah, I'm starting to think that really is Joe Nedney at this point, but what I'm talking about here is, you know, it's possible to be this far down. Um, we even saw it just a few years ago in 2016 when they reached the AFC Championship game. They were at four and five with seven games to go after dropping that heartbreaker to the Dallas Cowboys. And I remember being on the Steelers hangover at the time uh, when it was hosted by Jeff Hartman, and I was uh, new to podcasting at the time. And uh, I was on there with him, and we both still, we were we were teetering, but we weren't ready to give up on that team yet. So it's, it's really a situation where um, no one's saying give up on this team. And no one's saying that the win against the Cincinnati Bengals was not, you know, paramount. I mean, it was huge. Um, but I still, and I'm still going to, uh, you know, ascertain that you really can't go ahead and put a label on this team until you see really what happens against a team like the, the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Um, they are a lot stronger than Cincinnati. Now, there are some naysayers that say, hey, look, you know, I mean, Baltimore's not as good as you think. I disagree. I think Baltimore is a very dangerous team. Um, Lamar Jackson, if he's on, he will murder you. He is that good um, when he is on. 
but he also has the chance to get rattled and to fall apart. And uh, the receiving core, you know, you have Miles Boykin on that team. You have Willie Sneed. You have uh, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown, who was their first round draft pick this year. But, you know, for me, I just don't think that's that's really a team that uh, just puts, you know, that ultimate fear into you. So um, as far as the receiving core, what I really am concerned with and something they did so much better is against the run. And that was last week where they really held down Joe Mixon and Mixon really couldn't get anything going. Um, You have a situation where you've got Mark Ingram, who is going about six yards a carry at this point. And it's over six yards a carry. And then you have Lamar Jackson, who's really phenomenal um, with his legs as well. So you you have that threat that he's going to pass. You have the threat that he's going to run it. But the nice thing, though, if you look back, and I know I'm teetering, but I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to bring this all out. Of, you have experience against who I think is one of the best dual threats in the league, and that's still Russell Wilson who I think is having a fantastic year so far. If you saw what he did the other night in the Thursday night game against the Rams, um, I think he's having a phenomenal year. Only let that guy um, get free, he killed you. And that was against the Steelers. And in week two, they were shadowing, shadowing him. They were doing, they were containing him for the most part. But there was that time, there's a couple of times where he just, he just shredded him. And, and that was on a lot of third downs. And that's something you you can't can't get to a situation when you're third and long and third and 15 and third and 11 like we saw against San Francisco. And third and forever, I think it was like third and 17 against Seattle. And uh, um, But Taylor defense has greatly improved. And it's basically because of you now have Minka Fitzpatrick in there. You have a guy like Devin Bush who's in that game, but he's able to sideline. He has the speed to maybe shadow a quarterback, a running quarterback like that as well. So, you know, there's there's some situations that you really have a much better defense than you had just three weeks ago. Um, Quan Chapman brings up in the live chat that, you know, we didn't have Minka Fitzpatrick back in that game. And when you think about the Cincinnati game, you didn't hear Minka's name that much, and you didn't hear Terrell Edmonds' name that much. And for me, that's fantastic, because you don't really want to hear the names of the secondary unless they're intercepting a pass. And they neutralized some pretty good wide receivers. I, For my money, I think Taylor Boyd, Tyler Boyd and I think John Ross III are good receivers. Um, John Ross is really coming on. And they didn't have to face a guy like, uh, it's fantastic they didn't have to face a guy like A.J. Green. But the corners, Steven Nelson, Joe Hayden, even, look, man, number 28, Mike Hilton, he was really, really uh, standing out as well. So that defense seems a little more solidified. So that's something that I need to feel, that I'm feeling a lot better about. Um there are some people saying that, you know, this is still an average football team. This is an average football team right now, but we've seen average football teams start off poorly and go ahead and go all the way to the playoffs and even further. Um, you know, it has been brought up 
on the live chat as well that the Dolphins had Minka Fitzpatrick. Michael Tuol brings that up, and Brown toasted him. But, yeah, that's a different situation. He had nobody around him as well. He was playing four different positions in that game, too. Um, the Steelers are a lot better uh, than the Miami Dolphins, especially on defense. This is a, a team that's on the rise. Um but what is the most important thing for the Steelers as well? And uh, when you look at the fact that uh, the defense seems to be coming together, they need to have a plan, and they obviously have a plan because they're thinking about it. And what a lot of people don't give credit for on defense um, is the fact that uh, Mike Tomlin is taking this game to game. And he brought a guy in like Christian um, from, I believe it was from South Dakota. And he was with, uh, he was with the Dallas Cowboys in training camp. He is a very mobile running quarterback. I have a lot in the mold. When I say the mold, he doesn't have the talent of a guy like, uh, like Lamar Jackson, but he was able to be on that scout team this week and on that practice squad for them to be able to prepare. So that's, that's something that, that they're looking at. And that's something that, uh, you know, they have a plan on defense, and that's what we've asked for all along on offense and defense. Um, you know, we just need them to have a plan. So I would love to see it. Um, what is the plan going to be? I don't want to know it because I don't want them leaking it. But I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of shadowing, and uh, they're going to try to do whatever they can to go ahead and take away that running game, take away Ingram, um, take away. Lamar Jackson, but also there's one more guy that I want to bring up on this team that you might not even know who he is, but it's a two-way player named Patrick Ricard. He's, I believe, number 42, if I'm not mistaken. He's a fullback, and he also plays on the defensive line. Um, this guy, I'm telling you, this guy is dangerous because, you know, in short yard situations, he could go ahead and take the rock and move it ahead for a first down, but he opens up a lot of holes for these guys. And on defense, he clogs a lot of things up and he's able to get to the runner. So a very good double threat there too um, in Patrick Ricard. So that's a guy you want to look out for tomorrow if you're not that familiar with him. Um, so, you know, that's what has to be done on defense. But offense... That's the thing. This is a, this is where the plan is going to be really interesting. You know, a lot of people, the fear is that if they just go into a situation when they're, they're just relying on the wildcat like crazy, that they're not going to be able to thrive. Look, what a lot of people don't realize is this team only ran that wildcat seven times, only seven times from that formation in the Cincinnati game. I know it seemed like a whole lot more, but they, they didn't do it um, just seven times. So they didn't rely on it the whole game. Um, they need to bring the Wildcat back. Do not put it on the shelf, but also don't get yourself into a position where they're going to be able to sniff it out because good coaches can do that. I mean, you're not going to be able to uh, put stuff on tape for a guy like Bill Belichick. Really, you're not going to be able to put stuff on tape for a guy like Martindale and uh, John Harbaugh, because these guys, they, they're they already preparing for it. I mean, the minute they saw it, in fact, I'm sure they saw it in the first, second quarter of that game, and they were already working something up. That's 
that's what this team does. But if you execute it well, you mix it in, and you go ahead and you get a little more deeper on those balls. You throw deep to a guy like Deontay Johnson who can stretch the field. Johnny Holton can stretch the field. Um, you know, you, ha- you have to do stuff like that. Um, you also have James Washington, who you really need to get back into play as well. And we still don't know how much Juju Smith-Schuster is going to play in this game. He's a guy that really needs to uh, carry this team as far as wide receivers go. But, you know, the problem is that toe's been bugging him just since the beginning of the year. It's, uh, it's bugging him a whole lot more. And so you might not see him. So we'll see how well these guys can step up, these young guys on offense. Um, especially the uh, wide receiving weapons. And, uh, you know, you're not going to like this, but uh, you might see some Dante Moncrief in this game as well. And I know there are collective uh, good griefs going on throughout all of uh, BTSC land when I say something like that. But, you know what? What it's brought up by uh, getting bent with Bo, um, Kreef is a good player. He'd like to see anyone catch balls with messed up fingers, is what Bo says. Maybe Moncrief could have a game, get it, get a chance to get in there, and show off what he can do. Um, because he has been written off after two games. Um, so there might be a possibility that you are going to see him if Juju can't go. Um, you know, Johnny Holton, Cree mentions that Johnny Holton isn't reliable. But he does stretch the field a little bit. And, uh, you know, I I made a comment about that the other night. And either Jeff or Dave brought it up that, hey, at least they're they're, uh, throwing it out there, trying to stretch the defense a little bit. And if it works, it works. If uh, you get a flag, and they did get a flag, but it just went against the wrong guy (laughs) at that point. Um, Another thing to uh, bring up as far as weapons for, uh, for Moncrief, excuse me, excuse me, for Mason Rudolph would be somebody like uh, Nick Vanett. And if he's healthy, number 89, Vance McDonald, my guy, the Vanimal. If, uh, you know, if he's healthy and you have two tight end sets, that could be very dangerous because they could be very tough to deal with. Um, So what is going to be the plan on offense? I think if we're looking at the number one priority, is to go ahead and get the run going. Um, you really, you just really have to go ahead and uh, hope that those those uh, big guys up front can open up some holes, so you're not resorting to the wildcat as much. And now you're still going to use it, but you still need to move the chains in that uh, traditional way. So that's uh, that's something that you're going to have to do. Those guys have to heal. And when I say, I'm not saying that they're unhealthy. They just need to heal as a unit and play so much better if this team is going to have any chance of advancing. And it's got to be a strength. So that's the big thing. So the other burning question, you know, we talked about the threat level and I we were all across the board on it. Actually, didn't really get any reds. But uh, the other burning question would be at this point, Mason Rudolph. Look, I think the fan base trusts this guy. I actually think the organization trusts this guy, but they're bringing him along so slowly at this point. And they're, they got to get to the point 
where they can go ahead and you know test that defense, go ahead and throw that ball deep to soften things up. So you know defenses aren't bringing eight men up in the box. Um, that's very important. So if he could go ahead and do that, get some of these guys open, do that early, it's going to make his life a whole lot easier. Hey, I'll take twenty-four for twenty-eight all day long, but it's not going to work against Baltimore as well as it's going to do against as it's going to work against a Cincinnati team. Now, Baltimore's defense is not nearly as bad as the Cincinnati Bengals, but they're not a top 10 unit like we've seen in so many t- so many times before out of the, what we're so used to Baltimore year after year just being a dominant unit. And that's something that at this point they're not a dominant unit. So you've got to see what Mason can do to go ahead and spread things out on these guys and to, uh, you know, keep that, make them tired, you know, control the ball, make that a tired team. And that's something they were able to do the other night against Cincinnati. If they can continue to do that and like kind of flip the script, a lot of people do that to the Steelers, make that defense tired. I think that would be something that would be really beneficial to this team. And that's something that could go ahead and happen. So, I mean, I really think that uh, this team is trusting in Mason Rudolph. And that's something that, uh, if you remember, they uh, they back in time, let's go back to 2004, that glory season, that 15-1 and season with Ben Roethlisberger as a rookie. They kind of brought him along slow, too. You got to keep in mind, this is the man's third career start. Um, slowly and slowly, you watched uh, Ben getting more opportunities to whip the ball downfield. So, this is a situation where Mason Rudolph could really grow his resume. He could do so much better if he can just uh, rack up some yards on this team. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring up. Just a comment from Snowman here. I'll bring it on the board. The Ratbirds defense has given up 1,000 yards in the last two games, and both games they lost. So the question is, though, are we in a situation right now where the Steelers are capable of putting up five TDs? Because they didn't put up five TDs. They put up three TDs against a very bad Cincinnati defense, as far as I'm concerned. So that's... uh, that that's something that uh, you need to do. Excuse excuse me. Um, when I'm saying five TDs, I I meant one thousand yards, um, five hundred yards. So is this a five hundred yard team? So we'll just have to see because the Steelers are not a Chiefs team. They are not. They are not that caliber of team, and that caliber of defense, and the Brown. Uh, that caliber of offense, excuse me, and the Browns offense with Odell Beckham and they they really with Nick Chubb they really ran all over this team. So um, you know, as far as everything goes, we'll just have to see what they're capable of doing. We're going to see how innovative this game plan is. But I I'm going to go back to the original burning question. I think the threat level is still pretty high because you have to win it. I'm still keeping it at orange. Um, part of me actually wants to say, say red, but the bottom line to it, you got to go ahead and win this game. And this team is starting to remind me of a team that could start winning games like this. If they could just pull, make some little tweaks and pull everything together. This is not a situation where you have to go ahead 
and uh, tear everything down. You don't have to start over. You just have to make those tweaks. They have some really exciting things going. I'm going to call them the killer Vs. You've got Vance and Vanet, Vanette, excuse me, if they go ahead and play. Um, you have uh, a secondary that's looking so much better, probably the best that they've had in years with this team, and it's starting to get a whole lot better. Um, so, but you've got to have a statement game. Like Bo says, you've got to go out and go ahead and really, you, you can't fall at a one and four. So that's why it is such a big deal. So what I'm going to do is in the few minutes we have left here, I'm going to go ahead, open it up to any questions. We'll go ahead and do that. And feel free if you do want to go ahead and use the super chat um, that puts money in the queue. Um, and what it does, and we call it the tip jar, and that gives us an opportunity to go ahead and uh, you know give away some goodies. We we gave away last week. We gave away tickets to the uh, Cincinnati game, that Monday night football game. Um, we also have a contest that's still running for the David DeCastro football. No, I'm not putting up the Finney pants, but uh, the team keeps on going. And uh, we get enough in the tip jar. Maybe the Finney pants will go up there someday. I don't know. Um, and if you don't know about the BJ Finney pants, uh, I'm sure that we can go ahead and uh, get you up to speed with everybody else on the live chat because uh, I have a pair of uh, pants worn by BJ Finney in action um, that I actually bought from the Steelers. So <laughs> that's interesting. Um, and the other, other thing I'm going to bring up is I realize that I have been you know just blabbering for uh, 28 minutes without uh, with nonstop, and I have probably the over under on me using the word situation is is probably over because I've used situation so many times. So when I go back and listen to it, probably going to count. It's probably over 10 at this point. Um, so that's something I'm working on as well. But so uh, let's go ahead and look at some questions here. Um, let's start off with uh, Donald Nolan. Um, any chance they bring up Tevin Jones from practice squad if they get rid of uh, Moncrief? You know, I that's not actually the worst idea in the world. I am still in favor of giving Moncrief a chance, but the bottom line to the whole Moncrief thing is you want to protect that third-round pick um, that you would get from getting rid of him because of the whole Le'Veon Bell thing and with LJ Fort being out. You know, um, with the Eagles, even though he's hooked on with another team, that means that they would not be eligible for that that pick. Um, Glenn Altergott, Brian, what do you think of Mark Barron? Well, if you asked me after the San Francisco game, I would have been really concerned about Mark Barron. Um, 11 tackles the other night, um, getting beaten by Tyler... Tyler Eifert and coming back to knock that ball away on that first series to keep them to their only points of that uh, that field goal very early in the game was huge. Um, Mark Barron is not going to be, you know, Devin Bush and what he can be in the future, but he can be a very valuable player for this team. He could be a very piece of the puzzle of this team. Um, I think they're in it to win it with a guy like Mark Barron, and I'm glad to see two six out there. Um, that two six, that's the guy I want to see. Um, he brings a lot of uh, valuable experience. He is a former first-round pick. Very good player as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, he had a horrible game in San Francisco, but playing much better. Uh, Cousin Dave, do you think the Steelers can mirror what the Browns did to the Ravens? Um, it 
depends on the running game. I'll tell you that. We don't have a Nick Chubb right now, and the reason we don't have a Nick Chubb is because the offensive line has not been up to par. But here's the interesting thing about it. The Steelers have a much better offensive line than that of the Cleveland Browns. So if they could put some things together, then they're going to be in a lot better shape. My favorite all-time Steeler and why from Snowman. That's $2 into the tip jar. Wow. You know what? This probably changes a whole heck of a lot. Um, a lot of people know that I'm from Johnstown, so Jack Ham has always been a favorite of mine. Um, I will go back and forth all the time. If I were to go eras, I would probably say that on offense, it's probably still going to be, to this point, John Stallworth, because that's the guy that uh, you know I grew up with in the 70s, but he was still around late into the 80s. And one of my favorite years is 1984. I absolutely love that team, the team that went to, uh, they were 9-7. and seven. Weren't a good team, but Louis Lips was a rookie, and John Stallworth had a season for the ages after being out all of 1983, and... Uh, I just have some special memories of Johnny Stallworth. So uh, on offense, I'd say that would be my guy. Jack Ham on defense, but I'm a big Mel Blunt guy as well. Um, if we go into the uh, the the 90s, man, I, I was a Rod Woodson guy. I was a big fan of Greg Lloyd as well. Um, but if I had to say my favorite of all time, I'd probably have to say still. Heinz Ward, the guy just uh, brought it back for us. He's the guy who uh, who helped make it happen and uh, bring those Super Bowls back to us. I know Ben did and a lot of guys did, but I'd probably say Heinz. Now, next week, I might have a completely different Steeler for you. Um, I have so many that I'm very fond of. Um, tough question. You Actually, you didn't even... You don't even realize how tough that question that is for me. I mean, another guy, Mike Webster... Gosh, I'm a huge Mike Webster fan, and his story is uh, his story's a tough one. Alex Flores asked, "How will what will be the key to the defense this week? <sighs> really stopping that running game. That's that's the bottom line to it. Um, shadowing Lamar Jackson, stopping Mark Ingram, um, and the secondary has a lot to do with that as well. If they could." Uh, if they could just stop the uh, passing game and make them rely more on the run and just stop them. Um, who would I bring back? Heinz Ward, Stallworth, or Louis Lips? Um, all right. You know what? That's interesting because if you bring back 1984 Louis Lips, 1985, 84, 85, around that time, that guy was just a demon on special teams as well. Just, uh, I mean, as a return man. He can make things happen. Heinz Ward was the heart of that team with the blocking, um, and he was just a clutch guy. Stallworth was a big play guy. Could we combine them all into one? <laughs> I doubt it. Um, do I have to answer that question? And uh, since it's since there's not a tip jar on that, I guess I'm just going to cop out, and, and I'm not going to answer that question. Um, Who's going to be the key to the defense this week? Alex asks, you know, I think it continues to be TJ Watt. Um, that guy, 
to me, is the heart and soul of the defense right now. You're getting some great play out of Stefan Tuitt. You're getting some elevated play out of the defense, the the defensive backs now. Um, Minka is making things happen a lot. You're seeing a lot of things happen um, as as far as uh, Devin Bush as well. So I'm going to say TJ Watt, but I'm going to have an, a B in there. I'm going to have one more guy that I'll bring up, and that's Vinny Williams. If he plays, and it looks like he's going to go ahead and play in this game, he's crucial to that team stopping the run. I know he's a liability in coverage, but you know what? Some some of the faster guys that are, do well in coverage are liabilities against the run. Uh, Devin Bush is getting much better from it. Um, so, you know, I think uh, Vince Williams is important, but if TJ Watt is disrupting like he has shown that he's done all year long. He's going to be a very special all-time player for this team if he keeps that going. Um, this is not a question. I've got to bring it up. And love the name Suplex Tyler. I'm from Johnstown. Um, love to know more about that. I'm a Richland High graduate of, graduate of 1989. Um, so, you know, I did get, I did get back to... Uh, I actually got a little uh, behind here, but uh, what's my pick for the game? I'm uh, I'm gonna go with my original pick with a ridiculous score of 22 to 19. How do you get there? I can see the Steelers going for a two point conversion if they get up early. Um, so you know that's uh, I'm starting to waver from that, but I got I got to remain consistent. So I'll go 22 19, but the Steelers win that game. What do I think of the chances of Nelson getting his first pick against the Ravens? You know I could see that happening, um, but in my bold and bizarre predictions that I'm going to have tomorrow come out, I've actually uh, the the pick that I'm looking at is going to come from Terrell Edmonds. That's the guy I'm thinking of, but. Uh, I tell you what, Steven Nelson has a great opportunity to go ahead and uh, do that as well. Um, so uh, here's an here's an interesting thing. So let, let's just go ahead and bring this up. Let's not act like this team with Big Ben should be winning. So if Steelers can't win with Mason, he isn't the answer. Move on. Well, you know, sure. Um, let's give them a little bit of time. And I really think that uh, they're going to find that they can win with with a player like this um i you know um i'm gonna bring this up and this is something i'm really proud of as i look through the live chat because here's a commenter that i greatly respect and i respect all of our commenters but here's one who never agrees with me and i'm gonna bring it up because he actually agrees with me this time and uh one of my favorite commenters dennis he agrees but he'd still say our whole front line since we need to shut their their rush down is the key, but that's the first time I think that Dennis has ever agreed with me. So thank you, Dennis. I, I, I appreciate that. And Hey, I, I have no problem when anybody disagrees with me because you know, I've, uh, I'm not right half the time either. So in fact, if I'm right a quarter of the time, I'd probably appreciate that. Um, with that being said, We've, uh, we're coming up on the 40-minute mark, and I thank everybody for hanging out with me today. Um, it's so fun to go ahead and read the comments, go ahead and do this show. I am so used to having the crutch of being able to be on the show with Tony, being on the show with Dave and all of those guys to uh, get a little breather, to throw things off 
and uh, just try to be the uh, the funny guy. But uh, this week, I feel that uh, I had a lot of fun with you guys. So thank you so much um, for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and we've all together just answered that burning question. It's going to be a great one tomorrow. Go Steelers. We'll see you next week, and let's hope for a, big, a good one. Take care.